Well, hello and welcome back to Shamelessly Unapologetic with me, your host, Alana Pinsky. So this is a very great episode because I have my first guest on this show and that is my best friend, Netta Benashal. So Netta and I talked a lot about what it meant to navigate toxic relationships and toxic roommates. We talked for a little over an hour and I felt like we had a really great conversation about personal growth that came through these situations and how we can handle them to better ourselves in terms of interacting with others, whether it is a relationship or a roommate. So why don't you go ahead, grab some popcorn, do something, whatever is going to make you feel relaxed and enjoy this episode. Hello, Netta. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's been a good day for me. It's evening time over here in Israel, but it's fun to be here. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm so happy you're able to make it and be able to chat with us all the way from Israel. So I just wanted to introduce you um, to everyone who's listening. This is actually my best friend. We met in 2008 at a BBYO summer camp, and we have been friends ever since. So the reason I have Netta on the show today is because I wanted to talk more with her about toxic people, whether it's friendship breakups, exes. I know she's got a lot of stories. We have living situations to talk about because we've both encountered all of this together. So I wanted to share a little bit more about all this with all of you. So why don't we go ahead and get started? Um, Netta, again, I am really happy that you were able to make it. And thanks again for being here today. Yeah, absolutely. This is going to be an interesting topic to dive into, and I'm excited to hear what kind of questions you have so that we can we can really dig deep. Okay, awesome. So I guess one of the first things that I wanted to know, what was the first toxic person experience you had? Was it in high school, college, after college? Was it even before high school for you? Um. Actually, I would say it's before high school um, and a, a specific memory stands out. It was middle school. Um, we all have we all have trouble in our developmental years, of course, and I had trouble making friends in middle school. I, I think people resonate with that in general, uh, but I had made a, a few Jewish friends of mine. I'm Jewish as well. And there were some girls through, you know, the synagogue and the summer camp, et cetera. And we all kind of hung out at school in the mornings, you know, before homeroom in the hallways. We'd meet by our lockers. We'd share gossip and talk about the cool lip gloss, whatever it was. So, you know, it comes time in a, in a Jewish girl's life around the age of 13 or 12 that they have a bat mitzvah. It's a big party that, that marks their, you know, growth into Jewish womanhood. So my one of my friendship circle girls her name doesn't really matter, I suppose. It doesn't matter. No. One of the girls, that, yeah, one of the girls in this friendship circle was having her bat mitzvah. And she was a super cool girl, wealthy family. All of her bat mitzvah stuff, her invitations were these DVDs. And so everyone in the circle got one, right? I even got one. She gave me an invitation. And so anyways, we're all like excited to go to her bat mitzvah, everything like that. I'm talking to a girl like uh, up until the night of it, like I'm supposed to carpool with these girls in our little friendship circle. And that evening of the of the bat mitzvah party, I get uh, like a text message from one of the girls in the carpool that's like um, the friend whose bat mitzvah this is says she never invited you to the party. I'm sorry, but my mom is not going to take you. We're not going to take you in the carpool. I don't think you should even go. She says you weren't invited. And, you know, 
Wait, are you I'm serious? I'm like 12. I'm very serious. I'm like 12 years old and I'm getting a text message on my um, Motorola Razor phone, you know. Uh, and I'm like crying in my mom's car because I don't know what's happening. And so anyways, like I, I messaged the girl. She's not answering me. It's her bat mitzvah. I guess she's busy. But so like my mom tries to call this girl's mom. This girl's mom doesn't answer. I'm crying. I just decide not to go at that point because like, you know, I, I don't need, I, I don't know what happened. Long story short, I even get a text message from the girl later. And she's like, um, I don't remember giving you an invite, but I'm really sorry you couldn't make it. It was just really weird and uncomfortable. It was like she mm-hmm. tried to purposefully exclude me or something. I, anyways, it just, it really felt very uncomfortable. And and from that day on, like the next day when we went to school and like I had to stand in the circle, she, like the girl wouldn't even look at me. And like, basically like I slowly had to kind of leave that group of girls because whatever that girl had said or done or whatever plan she had hatched to invite me or not invite me to her her celebration had made all the other girls think I was some outcast. And so I was, I was like 12. So I think it was 12 when that happened. So I have a question for you. This was, this was through your Hebrew school. You said, correct. She was a girl you did Um, Hebrew school with, or was it just a girl you were in regular school with? Oh, it was, I went to public middle school. It was just a a girl who was Jewish who I had met through, you know, other Jewish functions. Uh, You know, we all had socialized through, various Jewish camps or the Jewish community center growing up. So not quite Jewish youth group at that age, but you okay. know, we knew each other that way. Okay. I just wanted to double check. Cause I know like when I was doing Hebrew school and middle school, it was a requirement that everyone in our class had to be invited to both the service and the party. I don't know if that was a thing for you, but it sounds like this was just in public school with someone else that you met. Yeah. That's, that's really fucked up. I couldn't even imagine being invited to something or being told you're invited to something and then you find out that you're actually not invited to it and it's like a way of humiliating you and it's 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 mean did you ever find out the reason why she did that to you you know I didn't really um years later, like we ended up going to high school together, of course. And, you know, the Jewish community is small enough. And we had like a school project to do together at one point. She started to be a lot nicer to me. And I I, like, she apologized for what happened, but she never really like made anything clear. I I feel like it had something to do with, you know, more than one girl in the group was just like, let's just play a joke on her and it'll be funny. And, you know, she she won't actually not come or, or, you know, maybe uh, she, Something like that. I, I don't know. I I never I never really be obviously was close friends with her again after that. Um, mm-hmm. I never really got anything. I don't blame you. I mean, that's really messed up. Actually, you know, now that I think about it, I have had a similar situation like this before, only wasn't bat mitzvah related. So also in middle school, there was this one girl who I thought who was my friend, but apparently wasn't my friend. She was having some sort of party. I don't remember if it was for her birthday or if it was, it was just some sort of party. And she verbally said to me that I was invited and I was looking forward to it, but I didn't really have the details of like the address and the time and the, and everything like that. She just said I was invited. And so apparently this one girl who was friends with her was talking to the girl in the bathroom and another girl had overheard the conversation and apparently went along something along the lines of, 
Alana said that she's invited to your party. Really? Is that true? And she goes, uh, no. And the other girl's like, oh, well, Alana thinks that she's invited. And then the host of the party was like, oh my God, can you please tell her she's not invited? And so this yeah. girl overheard everything and she relayed the information back to me and I was really hurt. And I didn't know how to confront the host because I didn't know mm-hmm. how to do that at 12 or 13 years old. I was just really yeah, just embarrassed. Cry. Yeah, I felt so stupid, right? So I confronted the other girl who addressed the situation. We did it over MySpace. Oh my God, it was so petty. MySpace. And she told me the story and she goes, yeah, this happened. I said that you're not invited to this party. Ugh. Oh my gosh. I've dealt wow. with so many bitches in my life in middle school and high school. And I made a whole episode about bullying just and a couple of days ago. So it's going to be going up soon, but yeah, it's just, I, it's now that I think about it, wait, that has happened to me. And I'm also sorry that it's happened to you too, because I, you know, it's an incredibly uncomfortable feeling and it's very humiliating to experience something like that when you do nothing wrong in the process. Yeah. I'll honestly never stop being fully surprised by the maliciousness uh, at such a young age. I, you know, one day hope to understand that better. Not a topic we'll be able to delve into today, but it's just, it surprises me that people in general are able to have such, you know, meanness in their hearts at such a young age. I agree. It happens. It, yeah, it does happen. Kids are just absolutely mean and I will never be able to understand why that's a thing. As someone who used to work in schools here in San Francisco, I would see how other kids would interact in the classroom and they were just so much nicer to their peers compared to when I was living in Richmond, Virginia. And maybe I don't know if this is like a California thing. I have no idea, but just seeing how the other kids treated each other in the classroom, I was super jealous of those interactions because I didn't get those interactions when I was in school. Absolutely not. So it's nice to see that bullying is definitely decreasing as years pass, but I don't know if California has always been that way, but I know in Virginia, it's like the bully always won and it never made sense. And then the victim would always get in trouble at school. Yeah, I have to, I have to believe a little bit from my experience working with uh, Jewish teens recently as a, as a youth group leader that they're, that the next generation has a little bit to be hopeful for. They, they genuinely do seem like a, a more caring and at least more conscious of each other type community of people. So, so I gotta, I gotta hope that there's, there's hope for the future. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So let's move on a little bit to high school. Um, I know I have touched a lot about my experiences about dealing with toxic people in high school. And I do that on a whole other episode about bullying and everything, but I guess what I wanted to dive into more was about friendships and relationships on your end in high school? Because I know you had a little bit of that as far um, as that goes in high school. So I wanted for you to open up and see what you would be comfortable sharing with us today. Hmm, high school. You know, high school was just troubling for me and as an inclusiveness situation. Um, I I struggle with the medical condition that, you know, when I have flare-ups requires me to be incapacitated, use the restroom more than others, et cetera. And and that kind of alienated me from my peers at times. Um, 
in a way that I couldn't explain why I was absent or why I was consistently using the restroom or why I was, you know, et cetera. And I did, I did get bullied a little bit for that. Um, people would, you know, we had those, uh, and these carried on into college, but remember those like ask FM or like those question websites where people could anonymously ask you questions. Oh yeah. And we all thought that that. was a great idea. Okay. So obviously I thought that was a great idea. Like, (laughs) cool. Like maybe I'll find my secret crush there. Right? No, it's really a place filled with hate. It's, it's a place where people are empowered to say things that other, that otherwise that they wouldn't, because no one has to know who said it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had a lot of issues there where people would be like, you know, commenting on my weight or asking why I was constantly absent, et cetera. Um, I experienced a little bit of bullying. Um, Once I got a, here's a great one. Um, I say great in a smiling way now because I can laugh, but it's still, it's it's sad. Um, Some guys who were in my, one of my classes, um, I didn't really think this guy was cute, but we were like, like, we were like flirting sort of, and you know his friends were always like such like so rude to us about it. Um, so one night I get home and I have a voicemail on my phone. Um, at this point, a Blackberry, the evolution of childhood. Um, and I've got a voicemail and it's from this guy and I can like hear kind of laughter in the background, which is why it like set me off to like, believe this is not real. You know, it's like, so it's the guy and he sounds kind of funny and he's like, Hey, so, uh, I just wanted to call and say, you know, like, I think you're really pretty and beautiful and like people laughing in the background, like, you know, and he's like, uh, like I learned French, uh, you know, and that actually means, will you sleep with me tonight in French? It's from a a song, um, for those who are listening and aren't, you know, aware of the cultural significance, it's 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 funny in that it was part of a song, but it's also very inappropriate. Um, and very. was also it's also like I was, you know, 14, 15. And also again, I was pretty sure this was a big old prank call. Um yeah. because again, I hear all these people laughing in the background. So I send this guy a message the next day. Um, and he goes, What voicemail? I don't know what you're talking about. Of course. So it was a prank. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is just not a, this is not a, this is just not a cute thing to do. I, I think that I, I dealt with, I don't know if I would call it toxicity so much as like lack of inclusion. I, I was involved in, you know, varying things like youth groups and various activities where, you know, I would do everything I could as far as giving myself the advantage of like, you know, uh, coming to even like sports teams, et cetera. Like I was on a, a softball team in high school, my softball team, and I would do everything I could. I came to every practice. I got the right gloves. You know, I, I, I brought things to the team potluck, but for some reason, you know, they'd have like team parties after, after, and I was not ever invited or, you know, it was just, I, I don't feel like it was active tos- toxicity that I experienced until college okay. so much as okay. a lack of inclusion. All right. Well, that's, that's fair. I mean, that's still very shitty. Um, and I definitely can relate to some of the lack of inclusion for sure. So then let's go into college then, because it sounds like that's where you really experienced the toxicity in your life. Um, where would you like to start with that? (laughs) Um, Ooh, I feel like we should go for roommates first. I feel like that's a great one. Um, I had a college roommate who was uh, a bit toxic. Um, we'll get to after college roommates, I've just had some interesting living situations, but, um, I had a roommate my senior year of college. Um, 
I hadn't met her or like really known her before we moved in. Um, she was a friend of a friend and we sat down for coffee one day before we moved in together and, you know, we chatted and she seemed like a nice girl and we discussed like, you know, our lifestyle and our habits. Like sometimes I don't wash the dishes right away or, Mm -hmm. you know, I like to, you know, it's my senior year. I'm 21. Mm -hmm. I like to go out drinking with my friends. I just want to let you know, sometimes I come in late, I'll be quiet, but you know, discussing our habits, telling, telling each other everything you need to know about living, trying to make Mm -hmm. sure we understand before we move in. So she's like, sure, no problem. That's great. You know, I've got a dog. Is that okay? We're all good. Everything seems great. We move in together. Well, it seems like, unfortunately, the longer that I'm living with her, every little thing that I, I do seems to bother her. And she starts to do these little passive aggressive things to try and like, like block me, so to speak. And by that, I mean, like, for example, I used to have Uh, At that time, I was dating a young man who actually will get to him because he was disgustingly toxic as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was dating a guy and uh, we had a lot of of our friends come over all the time to the apartment. I put out a spare key um, in one of those cute little plant, like fake rock things, because one, if I forgot my key and two, in case, you know, like my boyfriend wanted to come in and wait in my room. Now, my roommate had a boyfriend also who stayed over all the time. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's not like we weren't used to having male significant others in the house. It, this was not like an undescribable thing like that hadn't been agreed on. One day, like a week after I got this little plant rock, I am I get home and it's just missing. And, and like, I've got like, you know, my, fr- my, my boyfriend's waiting outside the apartment confused. And I'm like, I text her. And I'm like, hey, have you seen the my spare key with the rock or the rock with the spare key? Um, I uh, I ha- thought I had it out there, and she's like, oh, I don't know about any rock with a spare key, but Jared, my boyfriend, was doing some landscaping earlier, so maybe he like you know cleaned it when he like did the front yard. Mm-hmm. I text her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. No, I have no clue what you're talking about. I've like. Let me tell you, I found three weeks later, I found the rock, like it's like stuff behind our laundry machine. This is why I know that they were literally trying to sabotage again. Cause again, I'm like, no one knows what's happening. And that's that. And then I find, for example, like my food that I, you know, had made that uh, she, you know, she had some issues with the way I guess the food smelled. And she texted me after she threw it all away. Hey, Mm -hmm. your food seemed like it was getting a little old. So I threw it all away. Um, what? And anyways, long story short, I used to also, um, I, let's see, I think the biggest thing that pushed her over the edge was I used to have a lot of friends come over and we discussed this before moving in, but I have friends who are smokers. So they would come over and they would smoke Mm -hmm. and that's fine. You know, we discussed limits to that and we discussed how we would respect each other in those spaces, you know, uh, either be outside or open your windows and you know if someone has a problem then you know just send each other a message and everyone will stop you know that's fine you know it's it's great so long story short apparently she decided she had too much of a problem with me and my friends you know occasionally smoking in the house um or even doing it outside Mm -hmm. and instead of confronting me about it directly she had her parents drive all the way down two hours away from her hometown to, to, to basically have like an almost intervention with me. 
I came home one day from an extracurricular practice and her parents were sitting on the couch with her in the corner and they just like basically confronted me and like kind of like condescendingly said to me, you know, your habits are not okay. Um, your friends are not respecting our daughter. Um, if this, you know, we've already spoken with the landlord and I know he has one bedroom units that he would be happy for you to move into immediately because you're oh going to need to move out. We don't think you can be living with our daughter anymore. What? What? No, that's right. I, if someone did that to me, especially someone's parents, I would say, I don't know what you're talking about. This is absolutely none of your business. This is between me and her. Oh my God. Which is a little bit, which is a little bit what happened. Now, mind you, I had just come back, um, like I said, from an extracurricular practice, a mock trial practice, actually. So it had been a long day for me. Okay. And I just looked at, I look at the mother again, is speaking very condescendingly to me. And I go, listen, first off, while I appreciate your concern, the fact of the matter is, is it sounds like you've done at least two illegal things here. Again, I just got out of mock trial, so I'm in a fighting mood. But yeah. <laughs> I look at her and I'm like, listen, you should not be speaking about the private details of my lease, which is independent from your daughter's with the landlord. And he should not be speaking about it to you. That's actually illegal. Second off, how dare you go around my back and try and find me a new unit and tell me I need to move into it. I've signed a lease agreement. If I'd like to move, if I'm in violation of that lease agreement, or if I choose to move, then I'll make arrangements as such. But they're, this is just beyond an understanding of what you think your responsibilities are. Now, I wish that your daughter had addressed this with me sooner or even at least once before, you know, deciding to invite you down to confront me and tell me to move out. But the fact of the matter is I will not be moving out and I will do my best to potentially look for a new place, but it's not good. She, she needs to figure out how to communicate for herself. Mm -hmm. And basically from then on, it was just miserable. And I basically, you know, was back and forth, mostly staying at my boyfriend's house at that point. And she like, ugh, it was the worst. And when I moved out, she kept like my vacuum cleaner and like locked all, like changed the locks immediately and things. And like, I came over to pick up some things I had left and she didn't, she like refused to give me all of my things. She was like, I don't know. I don't have that anymore. And I'm like, it's a college apartment. There's only like so many places things can be. I promise I don't have it. So it's in there. And she's like, yeah. well, I'll look for it and I'll let you know. But like, uh, Jared's really busy inside. So you can't come in. What? This girl was crazy. This girl would do just the most to try and make my life and anyone who came to hang out with me difficult. And mm -hmm. just the minute I moved out, wow. You know, do you, you know when you're like around people who are so toxic, you just like physically can feel better by like removing them from your life? Oh yeah, that was like absolutely. a feeling that I had with her. Yeah. Well, um, I had a question. Back to the conversation with the parents after you stood up for yourself. What happened on the parents' end? Did they say anything back to you? What were the next steps that moved forward from that from that situation? Yeah. Um. Well. <laughs> Actually, that is funny because that does get a little funnier. Um, well, you know, they, the, the mom, I just can still hear her tone of voice because it was, she's like a teacher, like for young kids and she's a very sugary tone of voice, but like uncomfortably sugary. And I can just mm -hmm. hear her going, well, you know, that really disappoints me, sweetheart. And oh, it's just gosh. like, a, oof. but basically, you know, she, she was like, you know, we, 
you know, we want to express that that really disappoints us. And, you know, then she actually went as far as to almost threaten me, which was really humorous um, because this is what she did next. She says, listen, we didn't want to have to make this a bigger issue, but if this is something that we need to discuss with your parents, then we're happy to do that. First off, I'm 21, your daughter's 20. What the, what the fuck is she doing having you come down here to fight her battle? Second off, listen, this is what I said out loud to the woman. You know, if you'd like to speak to my mother and father about this, you're more than welcome to because they're 100% aware of my habits, what I do in my apartment, what I, who I spend my time with and what they do when they spend their time with me. So they're not going to be in any way shocked or surprised. What they might be surprised about is to hear that if their daughter said they had an agreement with your daughter and your daughter is now upset by that agreement, that no one said anything before our daughter was confronted. And they did not like that because I'm like, listen, I'm sorry. You're not going to tattletale on me because genuinely my parents know what person I am. I hope you know mm-hmm. what kind of person your daughter is as well, ma'am and sir. But like, uh, like it was just like they went. So they were like, well, okay then. Um, you know, I, I, the, I think then that we need to, uh, get, then we'll need to have, uh, another discussion with the landlord and maybe you can talk to him too. And, and, you know, we're all going to go out for dinner in a little while. So, you know, maybe we can resume this discussion later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go ahead and finish my schoolwork and head up to my room now. Thanks so much for stopping by. I'm glad you were here. Like, <laughs> it really like was just like, I just had nothing left because this girl was just like the audacity of what she had done. And she just kind of sat there in the corner holding her dog and looking at me. And it was just like, also, I think this is, maybe it's just my two roommates, but if they have a small fluffy dog that requires an excess of grooming, fucking run, fucking run. They are, they require an excess of attention and grooming themselves and mm-hmm. they are too much. Run. Yeah. <gasps> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's a, that sounds a like an absolute train wreck. I mean, I'm glad that only lasted for one year, correct? Yeah, it was a it was a year and I was like basically half out of the apartment by the second half of it, you know, barely spending yeah. time there, but still. I mean, it's great that you at least had your boyfriend to kind of escape to so you didn't have to deal with her on a daily basis. At least that's something I can't imagine if I didn't have a boyfriend to escape to, I would just be stuck there feeling trapped in my own home where home doesn't even feel like home. Well, yes and no, because, you know, it's actually a fun little transition of a point because that boyfriend was really one of the most toxic people in my life. Um, Okay, so let's jump into that. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, so funny you should mention that because actually, you know, you would think that would be more comforting, but really it gave me literal anxiety attacks that I did never experience before in my life. And I'll get to that. But long story short, I met a really charming, handsome gentleman in the summer uh, of uh, my, right before my senior year of college, he mm-hmm. was just the sweetest thing. And he was so smart and he was so handsome and just everything I could have imagined to have wanted in a man, you know, um, he wasn't Jewish. So maybe not everything I wanted, but anyways, I was both <laughs> of us fell pretty quickly in love with each other. You know, it was three months in and, you know, we had told each other, we loved each other and we were, you know, in a relationship. Um, we had the most wonderful summer together. Everything was happy and great. Now I knew that 
I knew that this individual had some problems. Um, uh, and, you know, I had, you know, we all have our own issues that we deal with our own demons. Now he had some mental health issues. And, you know, when I met him, he had told me that he was, you know, taking care and steps to take care of himself. You know, he, he was following his own treatment plan, whatever that means for everyone is different. I know, but for him, mm-hmm. you know, he was going to see a therapist and he was taking medication. And so, you know, he, he made it clear to me that he was doing what he could to take care of himself in that way and to take care of his issues. So, you know, I was comfortable with the fact that he was working hard to, you know, better his health. Um, yeah. so I wasn't concerned. Um, but we continue dating. Um, and we almost grow into this. We really grew into codependent relationship. Um, and we were codependent because we were both depressed and we both fed off of each other for happiness. Um, mm-hmm. I, again, this is stuff I is that is full hindsight right now. I'll tell you, obviously this is not something yeah. I could have seen when I was in the relationship. Sure. Um, I was madly in love with this, with this man who wanted to spend all of his time with me and share everything with me and do everything he could to spend all of his time with me. Um, one of his, one of the, one of the initial red flags was he came from a very poor family, which is fine, but he never had any money and he was very, very poor at managing the money he did get. And he always talked about getting a job, but never did or would. And I ended up having to pay for everything in our relationship. And by that, I mean, not just my things, his, like we'd go out to dinner and I'd be buying his dinner all the time, all the time. We'd go out for movies. I'd have to pay for the tickets. And because I was so madly in love with him and I just like felt bad because it's like, it's not his fault that he doesn't have any money that he can't afford it. And we still want to go out to the movies with our friends. So I guess I'll just buy his ticket. It's not like we're in love. It's not a big deal. Right. But it grew to be a big problem because constantly, you know, I wasn't working full time. I was also a student, you know, I wasn't even working at all. I was relying on my, you know, the blessing of my parents for financing and my savings. And, you know, it really took a toll on me, like not having enough money because I was really only getting enough money for myself and was spending Mm -hmm. it on two people. But, you know, again, I was in love and I was spending every day with this guy. Um, We did all the same activities. He was into politics. He, I got him onto my mock trial team. You know, I got him in with the right people. Um, We did, like, you know, I became friends with his friends. So it became this very toxic, intertwined, you know, codependent relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. Slowly, I started to realize that his health, his mental health was not good and it was deteriorating and Mm -hmm. he used alcohol as a crutch and stopped taking his medications and became a very sad person who couldn't function. I'm not kidding. Would not wake up until 5 p.m. and would get out of bed at 5 p.m., put on his outfit to go to, you know, a fraternity function and an evening thing and then come back and get in my bed. Again, I know this because he would be in my bed doing this until 5 p.m. most days. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and, and I, I don't fault him for this because again, I loved him. All I wanted to do was help him at this point. Yeah. But all he used to do, you know, when someone is, when someone is, you know, unhealthy and they're depressed and they're hurting, they can act in all sorts of ways. And in his yeah. case, it becomes very toxic. He was very aggressive towards me, not in a physically way, but an emotional way. You know, he, he would blame me for a lot of problems. And he would say that I was the cause of a lot of fights. It was a lot of gaslighting. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of that. And, you know, I remember the first incident that we had. um, I don't, I'm trying to even, I don't even remember what set him off. That's the thing. I'm I'm trying, Mm -hmm. I I don't remember what our fight was originally about, but something that we fought about caused him to decide to just like 
cut me off. By that, I mean, he would not answer my calls, my texts, you know, anything like that um, for four plus days. Mm-hmm. Um, I finally got a hold of him on the phone um, because I kept calling and calling him and he, he literally, it was like this exasperated answer. It was like, what I'm at a, I'm at a function. Like, what do you need? And I was like, well, I just wanted to make sure you were alive at this point. You know, I was like, listen, I am, I just need some space from you because you're, you know, really upset. And I'm like, okay. Again, I still don't remember what he was upset about. I don't, I don't, again, if I don't remember, it can't have been that important, but like, whatever. Um, my sorority semi-formal was the, was two days from that. He still wasn't talking to me. It was the morning of my sorority semi-formal. I couldn't get a hold of him. He was supposed to be my date. I couldn't yeah. get a hold of the guy who's supposed to be my date. Yeah. I'm freaking out. I'm having my friend do my hair. You know, I'm getting ready. Like, I guess I'll have to go alone if he doesn't answer. So I go to get a, a coffee at Starbucks. Who do I run into at Starbucks? But my now ex-boyfriend in his mother's car Go because they just got gotten stopped to get a coffee after going to get his hair cut. Mm-hmm. I literally get out of my car and walk over and say, "Well, hey there, Miss Cherie, and name of little boy, uh, how are you? You know?" And she's like, "I'm doing well. How have you been? You know, of course, because his mother knows nothing about the problems." Um, and I just look at him, and I go, "Well, I'm doing well. You know, just hoping to see your son a little bit later tonight for my semi formal." And she looks at me and she looks at him and she goes, well, isn't that what we just got his hair cut for? And I'm like, I just literally like, you know, making eyes at it, like my now ex-boyfriend. And he's like, and with his awful Southern voice. And he's like, well, of course, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be over at your place at six. Don't you worry. That's when I, you know, I literally, if I hadn't ran into him and his mother at the coffee shop, I don't know if he would have came. I don't know if he would have. Yeah. And then he comes, this is the worst part. Like this is, this isn't even the worst part because he comes and he does this very cold manipulative thing where he does this. We're not going to talk about this fight right now. I just want to have a good evening, but I'm like, still not sure what the fuck I did. So anyways, I get blackout drunk mm-hmm. um, because it's legal. I get blackout drunk. We go home and I, and we get back to my apartment after we get off the semi-formal bus and I ask him to stay um, and spend the night with me. He says, no, I start crying. I am on, like, I am on the couch crying and he's just like, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. Like I am like devastated. Cause I'm also blackout drunk. So, you know, I'm like mm-hmm. on the floor crying and he just leaves me. So I like, I had to call one of my best friends who was his best friend at the time um, to come over. And he basically like literally picked me up off of the carpet because I was so devastated as to why this mm-hmm. man who was supposed to love me would not talk to me would not explain to me what he's upset about would not make things right like would not it was just and that was like the first instance of it but long story short grew to be more and more toxic until we we took like a whole month off over winter you know in December basically and he broke up with me the day before Valentine's Day and this is the the final well here's the final act of toxicity is how it happened and like what what occurred yeah because basically I didn't, you know, I could tell things were off between us for a while, but all I wanted to do was save things. I had actually had about a month ago, we had had a night where we were with that same close friend I described earlier at his, at his place. And we'd had a big fight to the point where I was in bed with my ex, like not in a sexual way, just like we were going to bed. And because we had been fighting so much, I literally like, 
I had an anxiety attack for the first time in my life. I, you know, my heart was hurting so much. Like if you know an anxiety attack, it starts to, you can feel physical pain. You, like things are closing up. You just don't know what is happening, but you cannot mm-hmm. like, feel like you're going to die. Yeah. So I just like had to literally leave the room and go sleep on the couch at my friend's house because of that. Long story short, you know, clearly we were having some problems, but I just thought we would work through it. You know, we're in love. We go to the park for, you know, a nice walk at the park one day. We brought his little brother. Um, I think that I was on the phone with my, my mother called. So I was on the phone with her and I turned around to him and I said something like, name a person. Or I'll just say, dude, right now, dude, can you just hold on a second? Can you be quiet? I'm trying to talk to my mom. A little snappy, but you know, I'm trying to talk to my mom and someone's, you know, shouting in my ear. Long story short, I get to call to my mom and he just like blows up at me. Um, can't, he's like, I can't take it anymore. Da, da, da. Like you're always this, you're always that you're blah, blah, blah. It's all you, you know, bunch of angry, aggressive gaslighting type stuff. Um, I can't do this anymore. Like we're done. I'm out. He literally starts walking away and out of the park. I'm not kidding you. And his brother's just standing there confused and like kind of dumbfounded as I am because mm-hmm. uh, his brother is like, what the fuck's happening now? His brother's like 18 and we're again around 21 um, to, to be clear on the understandings of the emotional, like understanding, like he's not a child, but like, again, like, so that's why yeah. he's like, what the hell is happening? Like girlfriend. And I'm standing there crying and I'm like, what, what, you know? And, and he's walking away and I'm like, okay, like, all right, fine. But like, don't leave me. Like, I, like, let's go home. Like, let's like, let's talk about this. And he's like, I don't want to talk about this. I, I don't want to, I'm, I'm leaving. He, he's like, come on, come on, Will. His brother's name is Will. It doesn't matter to anyone. Come on, Will, we're going. Like, you gotta go. It's time to go. They drive off. It's not Will's fault. It's not the brother's fault. But they drive off without me. He literally leaves me in the park. Literally leaves me there after breaking up with me to the point where I'm crying so hard and his brother, his little brother came back in his little brother's car because he felt so bad about what his brother had done to come get me and take me home. Yeah. Like, and then he, oh, this was great. He refused to give back like any of like the things that I had left with him that were mm-hmm. like, some were gifts, but some were like here, like he said, okay, here was a gift that I gave him that, and maybe you can give me your opinion on this. Like, cause actually I'd okay. love to know what your thoughts are. Okay. On like, so when you break up with someone about like gifts that you gave them, especially big gifts, especially if you gave them to them, like within like a week or two of breaking up with them. I gave him a big Yeti cooler. Um, so that's a value of 275 US dollars, let's say. Yeah. Um, as a gift uh, for a fraternity formal that we went to um, about two weeks before we broke up. Um, and I looked at him and he had barely used it and he was such an asshole. And I said, honestly, you really should give me that Yeti cooler back. Like, this is, this is ridiculous. Like, you know, I, I like you, this is, but he was like, you know what? No, that's like, this is a gift. I'm going to keep it. What? I want your opinion on like giving gifts back, but also I don't need an opinion on this because this was crap of him. I later found out he sold that bitch online. Oh, he sold gosh. it. So that motherfucker wouldn't give it back and he sold it. Oh, but gosh. anyways, like that's, it was just like, he wouldn't give back like the stuff, not even just the stuff that I gave him as gifts. Um, but like, I left lots of like 
t-shirts and things over there that I never got back or like, you know, like, uh, like not big things, but it's just like a pair of shoes. It's fine. I got new Sperry's, but like, why are you being such an asshole about like giving me my stuff back? Yeah. That's like, even to the end, like, what did I, like, he was just, and then I didn't obviously realize until he had just emotionally damaged me in such a way that after we broke up, I was so devastated. Honestly, I, I withdrew from my university. Uh, I had a mental, like I basically had an, an emotional breakdown. I withdrew from my university. I took four wait, months wait, to- Wait, 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 Bef- wait, before you, before you get into that, um, just to give you my opinion on the whole gift thing really quick. Um, I think if you gave him a gift and like, it's not like you knew he was going to sell it. I think, I do think you were probably a little bit in the wrong for asking it back because it is a gift. Cause okay. I know if someone, cause I think if someone Fair. gave me a really expensive gift, even if they were going to break up with me two weeks later, I would be pretty upset because maybe I actually really liked the item and I don't want to give it back because I actually really liked it. But I think you weren't wrong for asking for your regular stuff back that you left at your place and he refused to let you get that. That's a different story. But I believe it's like once you give somebody something as a gift, you should not ask for it back. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah that's no, my that's that. my opinion. I feel on like yeah, I feel like in principle for me, it was like a combination of the fact that it was so expensive yeah, and that I, it was like something that I had like just gotten in when we were solving problems to me. Like the thought was like, I, I feel like he doesn't deserve this gift type thing. Um, but like, I totally hear what you're saying. And like, which is why, like, I also, why I didn't fight him too much because to be fair, like both you and he are right at the end of the day, it was a gift and you know, it's not yours. It's theirs now. Um, yeah. regardless of how much you spent on it or the intention you had when giving it. So that's fair. Yeah. Cool, um, cool. No, but, but long story short, I, I ended up having a very difficult time after our breakup. And I really, that was when I really learned the most about friends and who you can count on and how to really learn how to count on yourself. Um, mm-hmm. because I had this really deep issue where right after we broke up, I tried to call like all of my friends and most of them were not picking up. And like, thankfully some did, but most didn't. Um, And like, especially people I thought would. And that really hurt me. And it taught me like, you know, when you're really grieving, like there's, that's when you really find out who you can count on in your life. Mm -hmm. But also I had this converse where it was like, a lot of people in my life that I, you know, loved, valued, and trusted, I didn't want them to kind of like, I guess, I don't know, maybe it was, I didn't want them to see me feeling this way, or I I guess I, I don't know what it was, but like, there was this equal part of me that there was a lot of people that I just didn't want to talk to because I didn't want to tell them what happened or to have so many people say to me, oh, I'm so sorry for that. And like, have to keep tell everyone, like, it's almost, I feel like the thought of like, maybe now that I'm like expressing it to you, like maybe it was the idea of repeating the trauma out loud to so many people or Mm -hmm. trying to have those processing conversations or, you know, trying to process it with so many, because I was so blessed and still am to have so many supportive friends that it like, I I had, I mean, and you actually know this from personal experience because unfortunately you were one of the friends I had a lot of trouble communicating with during this period. I, you know, I, uh, and, I mean, you can, you can tell the audience as I do, but like Alana and I unfortunately had a period of about a year after this breakup where I wasn't able to talk to her because I just, like I said, I, I lost my ability to, I, I don't know, feel comfortable sharing things to, to keep like telling everyone about what was going on. It becomes redundant and it becomes, 
again, now looking back, I think it was probably a little bit hurtful, traumatic to keep telling everyone, you know, like about a breakup and to have everyone, you know, try and work with it through you. So like, it, it was a really hard period of my life because there were some friends that I was able to bounce back with in that, like, and again, thankfully, like my friend Alana, like you, I'm talking to now, but I did lose friends in that period because there were friends that I didn't talk to for a few months. And when I finally was able to reach back out to them and apologize, things just weren't ever the same. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So that's quick. A, I, yeah. Sorry. I just wanted to say, yeah, I remember that period. Cause I remember you were thinking about coming to visit me in Kentucky for your spring break. And this was like, I guess it started in March when, the, when this was going on for you. And I know you really, you were looking forward about like getting away from Georgia for a little bit, coming to visit me in Kentucky when I was in grad school. So I wanted to follow up with you to just see if you were still open to doing that, to come visiting me and you didn't text back. So I tried one more time and you didn't text back and I'm thinking, okay, I don't know what's going on. And then I think there was another point where I texted you because I was also going through a really dark place in my life. I, it started in May of that year because it was like 2015 and yeah. I had gone rejected from the grad school program that I reapplied to. And that put me in a very dark, depressive state. And I really needed you at the time to talk about it with, but you were not available. And I didn't know what was going on. And I felt like you were silently breaking up with me as a friend and I, and I didn't know what was going on. And yeah, you hadn't communicated that this was some of the emotional scarring that your ex had put on you. And I didn't know about it. So I just had to basically grieve on my own and I had to go to therapy and I couldn't talk about this with my siblings or my parents. I had maybe two friends in grad school that I could talk about this with, but I didn't know who else I could go to or who to turn to when I was going through a black hole in my life. A year had passed and I remembered, okay, this is the anniversary. I don't like calling it an anniversary, but this is like the anniversary of when Netta stopped talking to me. And I don't understand why, because she was my best friend. I thought I had lost my best friend and we broke up when, without an explanation. So I knew, because I knew you so well, I wanted to send you a message just stating like, hey, it's been a year since we've talked. I don't know what's going on. I wish I had that message still because it's obviously buried, buried way far in an You're inbox. Safe. And yeah, we could dig later. Yeah, yeah, we can dig later. But I knew knowing you, Netta will reply back to this when she is ready. It may not be right away. It could take her days. It could take a month. But I know Netta will reply back to this. It just won't be immediately. And I remember it took you nine days to reply back. I remember I was in Chicago visiting my brother for spring break. I wanted to see him. I hadn't been to Chicago yet. So, and it was like an easy six hour drive from Kentucky. It wasn't that bad. So I decided to go to the Chicago Zoo. And as I'm entering the zoo, that is when you texted me back. And I got so nervous. I was so nervous to open this text message because I didn't know what you were going to say. And it was such a long message saying how you cried the minute you read my message, how you were so sorry for everything, how you realized you were being a really terrible friend and you explained yourself. And my heart sank, but in a good way. And I was so distracted throughout the rest of the day. I basically spent maybe a total of 15 minutes at the zoo because I couldn't focus at all. 
because I was just so happy that you finally got back to me and that you were starting to communicate with me again and you just explained your side of the story. So I left the zoo and I just, all I wanted to do was just talk to you because that was the only thing that I could focus on at the time. Granted now, I don't support zoos anymore for anyone who's listening, but at the time I wanted to go to the zoo. So yeah, that that's how that happened and how we kind of reconnected. And it was probably about a couple of weeks later where we decided to have a video call and catch up on everything that Netta had missed out in the past year because pretty we sure it was like four hours other. long too yeah oh my god that's right it was like a four hour Skype or I think it was a FaceTime conversation that we had so that's kind of how we rekindled things but yeah I thought I was going through a friendship breakup and turns out that was just not the case at all but yeah that was oh, a very hard period what? in my life yeah I say but you know what Alana you just presented a really you know amazing parallel of of two sides two sides of a coin of a of a of a toxic one toxic situation how one toxic person can affect not only that person but can entirely affect an entire you know other person's life you know and, and the yeah. chain reaction but it also you know and I'll I, you know clap you and myself on the back but more you for that one um you know, it also gave both you and I a chance to really understand, which is part of, you know, I think the the theme of our discussion today, how to how to really work with ourselves and and how to how to look past toxicity and and trauma and and be able to grow from it and be able to be independently satisfied with ourselves, you know. So I, I think that it's it like definitely I'm glad we're, you know, together again, so to speak, both as friends mm-hmm. and you know, all that. But uh, you know, it was it was a growth experience. It sure was. It, it really was. And I definitely agree with what you said about that for sure. So I guess let's move on to like one last segment of this. So we'll, and then we'll wrap things up from there, but let's talk about post-college and toxicity. You mentioned you wanted to talk about toxic roommates after college. What, what are you talking about in terms of that? <laughs> I'm trying to remember you graduate from college and then you move back to Atlanta. So I'm guessing San Francisco or the Bay Area, I should say, was probably your first living situation outside of college, correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah, actually, I would say so. Um, yeah. Okay. That, right, that so- I actually had like a lease for. Yeah, no, actually that and that was quite an experience, I will say. Um, I moved into, I moved out to the Bay Area after university. I'd accepted a job with a nonprofit. I was super excited. You know, it was my first big move out of college. So, you know, it's, I also moved from an area that has normal rent prices and has normal ways to rent houses and apartments and things, you know, let me start here. <laughs> no shade so like to my the Bay thought, Area. <laughs> no shade or anything, but like my thought process was like, you know, like in college, you sign a lease for a year at an apartment complex or something like that, you know, occasionally people rent from private people, but like, you know, everyone signs a lease and it's for a year and in college towns, it's aggressive because they're like by penalty of, or by fear of either death or involuntary military draft, you cannot get out of your lease. And like, so anyways, I'm like, okay, so I need to find somewhere to live. I want to sign a lease with someone. So I'm going to have this job. I'll sign a year long lease. No problem. It's totally not a Bay area mentality, but again, that's how I was. Um, so I was trying to find someone who had a similar mentality, wanted to sign a lease, who was looking in similar neighborhoods to me and who might have similar, you know, values or upbringing as me. Um, so I was introduced to someone 
who who was also Jewish and who, you know, I was told had similar values to me and was also looking in the same neighborhoods to live in. Um, and we we met over FaceTime uh, or Zoom or whatever. We didn't use Zoom back then. We met over FaceTime or something like that. And and we chatted for a while about what we were looking for in a roommate and and how we lived. And, you know, I tried to be a lot more thorough in my questions this time because of my past experience with that last roommate. And we discussed, you know, looking where, what neighborhoods, and she was already living in the Bay Area. So it was actually really wonderful and convenient because she would be able to, you know, go on apartment tours and go and see places, whereas I was still in Atlanta at the time and wasn't able to be out there and go tour places. So, you know, it was all great. She seemed really great. We seemed to get along. She had a cute dog. Again, run if they have the fluffy dog. Um, but <laughs> she seemed great. And we found a really great place. She negotiated a great price for our lease. We signed it together. We moved in. We coordinated the furniture. Everything seemed great. You know, we, and even probably the first few weeks, things were great. Slowly but surely, she started to get frustrated with me about things. Um, and at first I was trying to be reasonable um, because not that this really matters, but the person had just gone through a really big breakup and it seemed like they were going through a really difficult time. They had been with their partner for, I think, a couple of years and were really serious, had lived with them. And, you know, this was, it seemed like, you know, they, this person had moved directly from, you know, moving out with that other person, their partner to living with me. So it's, I knew it was going to be a big change living with a roommate versus a partner. And, you know, I was trying to be lenient and understanding of the fact that she might have an adjustment of living with a roommate versus a partner and how to communicate their needs. Okay. But she would get upset about the sh like the littlest things and then would be either really passive aggressive or just really aggressive aggressive about it. So there would be things mm -hmm. where it would be like, let's see, um, I used to drink coffee. We all, not all, well, I used to drink coffee in the morning and I'd drink out of a French press. So sometimes when I poured my coffee into the cup, it would leave a few tiny little black dots of coffee on the counter. I didn't always wipe up every single black dot with a Lysol wipe right after drinking coffee every day. I didn't always notice it really. I'm, I'm a, a generally tidy person. You know, I washed all my dishes. I put everything away, et cetera, like that. But it was like, you know, like a very small thing. And she got very upset with me and she like left, oh, here was another one. She taped a index card on the water boiler that she had like to the water kettle for boiling water, the electric one that said, don't forget to empty me, smiley face. Because she told me once or twice that she likes to leave it entirely empty after each use and I had forgotten to. Girl, chill out. Oh, here's another one. Um, One day she woke up and she had a lot of bug bites or she had some kind of skin rash or something, supposedly. Now, she could have gotten this a lot of different ways. Let's be real. She, but she says to me, you know, she has a dog also, which she takes outside on walks. And again, the dog's clean. I'm not saying the dog has fleas. But so she comes to me and she says, um, you are causing a huge problem by going out on our balcony and leaving the balcony door open when you go out. I know you only do it for a few seconds, but it's letting bugs in. And I woke up this morning covered in bug bites. You really need to do something about that. And first off, I'm just like, did you change your like sheets or your detergent? You know, I'm, I'm not trying to blame your dog, but like, I'm sure there could be more than one reason why you unfortunately have a rash. I'm happy if you, you know, if you're going to the doctor and you need to get it checked out and, you know, like, let me know what happens. Like if there's like a, 
you know, like I'm offering to pay bills or something, like if there's a problem, but I know like this girl's being crazy. It's like, what? Like there's no way that a bunch of bugs flew in from the balcony door being cracked for five minutes the previous evening that got into her bed, crawled all over her and bit her in like a pattern. Like that's, that's not a thing. But even if it was her solution to this, she got what one of my friends lovingly calls a door condom. It's this like weird magnetic screen door thing that Mm -hmm. she put on our door so that like, even when I had the door open, it would still be like closed. Like, oh, one time I spilled a little bit on, on the rug that she had paid for. I cleaned it up like aggressively. I missed a spot. She sent me a text message 30 minutes later that was like, if you, if this doesn't come out, you'll be paying for the professional dry cleaning, da, 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 da. She would get on the phone with her parents and speak in a language that I didn't fluently speak. And like, just like, I spoke enough of it to know like what she was talking about me, but she would get on the phone and she would just blah, 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 about me to her family. Like, again, I only partially understood most of it, but the, the understanding was that it was mostly malicious and it was just the worst. She was so, so passive aggressive about everything. And then when I find like when I had a when I finally decided that you know it was time for me to move out, um, I actually had lost my job. Not that it's relevant, but you know I'd lost my job, and I was deciding also besides the fact that it was just getting to be too much to live with her. I was uncomfortable, you know. She she had these rules like you know I was uncomfortable going out into the kitchen after a certain time into the kitchen because it was right near her room at a certain time because it might wake her up and she didn't like X or Y. It was just there was just so much that was just too difficult to live with. She was constantly like being very demeaning. And and when she spoke to me about things, like she never had a good attitude. It was just all too much. So I decided it was time for me to move out. I posted the room online. Um, Maybe this wasn't the best action I'll share now. Like I'll admit right here that this behavior of mine may have not been the smartest move. Okay. I posted, I posted the apartment on a few Facebook groups um, and on Craigslist. Now, because I didn't want my roommate to know that I was looking necessarily for a replacement or a new room just yet. Um, I hid the posts from her. Uh, either I like blocked her from seeing them or I hid the long story short, I, I hid the post from her so that she, she couldn't see the posts about the apartment being up for rent. Now I didn't put any identifying information about her or about like, you know, much about like, not like about the building. Like, so there was no way that could have been identified that it was her or what physical building we actually lived in. I posted, you know, like a floor plan, circled the room, like some pictures said, young 20 something roommate who works in tech has young dog, you know, whatever, you know, I, 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 nothing was offensive to her or anything like that. But okay, she comes to me, I get a message from her, like probably later in the day after I posted this. And I guess we she had some friends uh in the groups who had seen my posts and had sent them to her um and again I I actually think I know who it was and I actually to be fair I don't think that person was doing anything malicious so much as I think that person saw it and might have been confused and was like hey is your roommate looking for or are you looking for a new roommate or something is your roommate looking to leave at least I hope that's what happened because the the only one or two people, like there was only one or two people it could have been. And the person I think it was doesn't dislike me. So like, long story short, someone sent her the posts and she sends me this like raging message, like about, you know, like, you know, 
I'm really upset that you did this. How dare you post this? Like, how dare you think that you could hide this from me? Da 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 da. Like, you know, this is going to be very difficult for you because I'm very particular about who I live with. So good luck finding a replacement roommate. So rude. So awful. So I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. shit. So basically she's just like being terrible. And at that point I'm like, I, this point I literally start emailing her, by the way, we aren't communicating out loud, like on anything related to like moving out to the room. Like we barely speak out loud at this point. And like, I'm living with her for another month, at least by the way. So it's like a month of us barely speaking out loud. I'm literally emailing her. So I have a written record of everything at this point. And basically I'm like trying to like talk to her about like, you know, like I ask her like, so what are your, you know, what are your requirements for a potential new roommate? Um, like, I'd like, would you like to be involved in interviewing them? Would you like to like, how can we do this so that we can find a roommate that's suitable to you? Would you like me to interview them first? Again, trying to be really accommodating and get like the criteria that she wants or have her help or make it really easy for her because maybe (laughs) she's busy and like trying again, whatever she wants, I'm trying to help her. Yeah. She's so rude about it. She's like, um, well, it has to be a very specific type of person at a very specific age and da, 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 and this, that, and the other. And, and I'm like, okay, well, I just like probably never going to find someone like this, but anyways, I keep posting. I, I present her a few options. None of them are quite good enough for her. Um, like two or three people I presented to her, she didn't like. So I'm Did like, say why she didn't like I'm, them. Well, one of them was, was too old. Okay. okay. Um, that's fine. Uh, the other two, one of them, she said she just didn't trust, AKA they seemed shady. The person was like a, a female UX designer, uh, three years older than the two of us who like came to the apartment, like to see me with like her pay stubs and stuff, like an SF area person who knows she's ready to apply for an apartment, you know, like she had a pay stub. She's like, do you need a background check? Like this girl was clearly not like a sketchy girl by any means. Um, no one I brought was like untrustworthy. And then another girl, she just didn't like or something. I think she just didn't give very good reasons. Long story short, she basically like does not give me much room at all to find a new roommate. And I'm like getting to a point where it's like, I need to move out. Like, honey, what can I do? So basically you can get off the lease, um, either if you find a replacement or if, you know, both roommates agree or every tenant agrees to let someone off the lease. Well, I ask her like what I need to do to get off the lease because she won't, you know, let me pick a new roommate. She won't like, you know, this is getting ridiculous. And she basically tells me I need to pay her three months rent, like pay her three months rent. And then eventually she'll give me back my deposit. And I need to move out at the end of that month. Uh, like pay for the end of that month and then an additional three months in order to have her sign off. So she's like holding me hostage on this lease. Like, mind you, again, there are multiple people and we live in a two bedroom, two bathroom unit. So it's not like she's having to share that much with this person. Yeah. Um, And like, she's refuses to be cooperative, refuses to take any of the roommate suggestions that I have. I'm talking to like the like leasing offices at my apartment complex. And they're like, I'm sorry, we like, we can't force her to accept, you know, someone that you've, you know, picked as a replacement because these aren't individual leases. So I'm like, okay, I get that. But it's just like, what can I do? Can I, like, I'd even rather pay you guys, like, you know, like a severance fee than like pay her. I can't do that. Long story short, I finally get her to like agree to only taking two months rent. But mind you, like, 
that's a lot of money. Yeah. You know? And I ended up having to pay her two months rent. She never gave me my deposit back, by of the course. way. Yeah. And she then she finally signed me off the lease. She claimed I made so many damages that da 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 da. And I'm like, that she gave my, I think she sent us back $75 at a, like a $750 deposit. Of course, she just like kept it. Let's be real. Yeah. Um, but it was just the most miserable thing. And I just remember like, this is the worst part is, you know, like, she's just clearly like, I hope she finds her happiness or that she's happy now. I don't know what she's doing. I, I blocked her the day I moved out because I found her that toxic on everything. But yeah. I found out, you know, uh, I had another friend who's still friends with her for a little while. And like, she was sending me the stories of this girl for a little bit. Like the day I'm moving out, this girl like took a video in my room and posted it on her Instagram stories that was like, basically like ding dong, the, the bitch is gone type thing. Like check out my new guest room, like, like all that kind of shit. And it's just like, I never had a problem with her. I actually wanted to be her friend. I was trying to be her friend throughout those months. You know, I thought at the beginning she was a cool person that who mm-hmm. again was just going through a hard time and that her personality would even out once, you know, she'd had some time to adjust to the difficulties that she had experienced. It never got better. She she decided for whatever reasons that maybe my ha- my habits, whatever reasons she decided, she just did not like me would not want to live with me and was going to trash me like verbally and online for the rest of her existence. I I, I just never understood. I, to this day, don't know beyond the fact that maybe it was jealousy. Maybe it was, I don't know. I, again, I, it was just so much that I blocked her that day. And I I have this feeling that she probably still checks in on me because she seems like that type of person, but again thank goodness to be done with her and I don't know what's going on in her life I hope she's happy yeah yeah I mean that's all you can really do in that situation that definitely sounds like a very toxic situation um I definitely know it's like to have a toxic roommate I've been there I've done that and I've shared that whole story on my YouTube channel uh yeah so I mean I'm glad you got out of it I'm sorry you kind of lost a ton of money within that situation but you know You're definitely in a better place. You're killing it out in Israel and you have better roommates. Happiness is priceless. Yeah. Yeah. You have better roommates that you're you're living with. So that's really great. And I'm happy for you that you've been able to bounce back. I know, I know what that's like to kind of face adversity, losing a job and having a bad roommate. Cause I've also been there losing a job, having a bad roommate, trying to get out. And, you know, I was telling one of my friends, about the reason of me losing my job was actually so I could get out of that toxic living situation. And I didn't give him any reason as to why I moved out. I just said, hey, I'm moving out because my reasoning was just irrelevant. It didn't matter. I was a master tenant. I could, terminate, I could terminate the lease at any time and it would basically affect any tenants living there because he was a subtenant. So yeah, I mean, that's great. I'm glad you're doing well. I think we will kind of just wrap it up there since this is a very long episode, but I want to thank you again for your time and sharing all that and opening up to everything. Um, I think it's really important to um, share the growth behind all the toxicity that 
you've faced in your life and how we face in our life and how we can grow from it. That's the message that I just wanted to share is how we grow from the situation together and how we unapologetically handle things and we share about it. I wanted to thank you once again for taking the time to be on Shamelessly Unapologetic today. I really appreciate you opening up and sharing all of the stories and how you handled it and learning from it and growing from it. I think that is such a valuable message and takeaway that our listeners uh, will have from this episode. So thank you so much again. Yeah, I agree. I, I want to reiterate what you said that I think that the most important message to to be shared if I if I didn't make it clear enough is that these experiences are very difficult for a lot of us, but when you know when you get through them and when you're able to to find that strength in yourself to 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 know that you are enough and to know that you're able to handle them and once you finally do, you really will see a whole new person in yourself. And by that, I mean, a little by little it's, it's growth and it's, it's beautiful. And it's so important for, for all of us to really, to really take the time to look inside ourselves and know what we deserve and rid ourselves of all that we don't need or that, that causes us this type of toxicity. So thank you so much for letting me talk about all the craziness in my life and, and share this message. Truly, truly. Of Lana, course. Thank you. Of course. Thank you again. Awesome. Well, I guess that wraps up this episode. Be sure to send all of your submissions for your unapologetic experiences and how you handle them at shamelesslyunapologeticpodcast at gmail.com. And be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at shamelesslyunapologetic. And with that, I will see you next week with a brand new episode. Bye.